let's start. So um, I'm going to present some information here. Uh, some of it's new, some of it you've heard. Uh, you know, I'm not asking for an approval here at this point in time. This is really more informative. Approval down the road will come, but, you know, yay or nay, but I'm bringing it up. So back in March, we presented the FY24 budget. Since then, we've done it again in May, and we did it again in June to get final budget. Since then, you know, we've settled with the union as well as management for COLAs and all sorts of different changes, so our base budget has changed. You know, we knew it was coming, and at that point, I want to kind of walk you through that real quick. But before I do it, I want to kind of level set here. We have three goals in mind as I go through this process. Recording this, in progress. As I go through this presentation. So these are three that Michael has mentioned you know, multiple times, and as we are, we're reimagining Metro. And in order to do that, you know, one of the things is 7 million trips uh, annually over the next five years. We also want to look at, you know, zero emissions fleet, which we're very aware of, the 57 buses, hydrogen buses. And then, of course, you know, the 175 units over the next 10 years is, is housing. You know, those are the big three items and goals. So with that in mind, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you Currently, our board approved budget right now on our operating surplus is 7.5 million. We've now layered in the colas and we've layered in all the different uh, various aspects, and we're trying to hold everything kind of somewhat flat. And like I said, this is base, base budget. So kind of going to the next slide, uh, as you can see, $1.7 million of that is the cola impact of the raises that we gave everybody. Uh, we had some other adjustments that have made because, like I said, we started this budget way back in February. And as we kind of go through, things change and directions change and, and strategic goals start coming up that we have to fulfill. So as part of that, um, we were talking about bus wraps, Caltip insurance bill we received. Net-net is about $2 million in expense higher. And we're basically offsetting that with our 5307 grant, which is good. So net-net, it's about $100,000 worse. And that's our level set budget if we do nothing. But as you remember, last board meeting, we approved phase one, and we had a heavy discussion around phase one and phase two. This is a reimagined metro in order to get the 7 million riders and so forth of that nature, uh, you know, re-envisioning uh, all the services. So as part of that, you know, we're going to move into our rollout of our phasing, and another thing to bring up is free fares. So as part of going into this, you know, the first is, you know, phase one, which is a focus on like 15-minute frequencies, UCSC, down to Santa Cruz, and that would take place here really at the end of December, but for purposes here, January of 2024. Phase two would start the rollouts, and this would be the rest of the county. Uh, possibly in April of 2024 and as part of it because we're making all these different changes we're looking at doing free fares as part of it so you know as we change these routes add these frequencies and so forth free fares throughout and this would be a trial period you know for no more than like 12 months possibly going longer you know if it works out um, as part of that too what I'm going to show you in here is 36-month uh, period. And we do have funding for that. And as part of that, I'll explain that a little bit more. 
um, in part of phase one. Uh, each phase will require additional drivers, support personnel, and then approximately about 10 buses, maybe 12 buses, it depends, in order above and beyond the bus fleet that we have right now to be in service. Um, the money that we're going to look at to possibly cover all of this extra 36 months of phase one, phase two, free fares. Recording in progress. Is the TERSUP operating, and in, in this case, I'll just say a TERSUP grant that's about 34 to $35 million. 34 or $35 million that will actually cover us for the 36 months. And as possible, too, there's also some discussions with UCSC, too. So in phase one, you know, this is the one that was discussed at the last board meeting, which you approved. The impact over this 36-month period, and this would start in January of 2024 and go through to December of 2026. So it's 36 months. Would have cost about approximately $3.8 million and that would be in the service, above and beyond our base budget that I just showed. Phase two, on the other hand, would be a combination of $24 million of expense over the 36 months with additional help from UCSC of about $9.2 million. So the net of that is about $14.8 million to cover that over the 36 months. So the total between... Oh, between oh, the total between phase one and phase two is $18.6 million. Remember, I'm still talking about the 34 that I have on the side. So this is 18.6. And that phase two, the cost is really driven is the fact that we need 50 more bus drivers, as well as five transit supervisors and two mechanics in order to kind of make this happen. And that starts in April, by the way. And then the last one is our free fares. So as part of free fares, the free fares would start at the initial rollout in January of phase one, and that would cost about $10.7 million. So in that total is $29.3 million less than the um, current $34, $35 million that we'll receive in terms of, which then we could push on capital, the remaining portion. And this would cover us above and beyond our base budget. So this is actually a good thing. And just to kind of go in, one of the new concepts that I'm kind of bringing up right now on the table is this free fares concept. We've talked about phase one. We've talked about phase two. Now we're going to talk about free fares. So in free fares, you know, the benefits of this just, you know, just right off the bat is, you know, there's shorter dwell times because now we could board at both. Um, uh, we could actually get on the bus and off the bus on using both doors instead of coming on the bus in the front door and then exiting on the back door. You know, we don't have to worry about people collecting the fares. We don't have money transactions. We don't have the processing of that. We eliminate the TVMs. You know, we don't have the splash pass and the credit card transactions that you have to do on the bus. Um, there's no fare pricing or marketing activities that, that kind of goes away at that point. This also becomes very accessible to all the low-income people across, as well as students and seniors, because now they can just get on the bus and go, and they don't have to worry about struggling for change and cash to get on. Um, also, this is one more big item that drivers don't have to deal with, is getting on the bus and people not having the exact change, or for that matter, even any money to ride the bus. 
you know, they just get on the bus. And then, of course, all the maintenance and the equipment and the support personnel and so forth that's associated with running the fares and dealing with the cash is eliminated. We don't have to deal with it. Now, there is a flip side of this, and I think we've seen this before, you know, during COVID. You know, there are these people, you know, there's people who are destinationless ridership that we have to worry about. So as part of that, there would be additional security personnel who would ride our buses, you know, and making sure that they, you know, people feel safe and everything works well. So there is a cost associated with this. You know, the other thing too is if this thing really takes off, which we expect it to take off, and as I think Michael has mentioned before, at least in the finance committee, you know, you're talking about 30% potential increase or more when you add free fares, you know, when it comes in there that if we start filling these buses, even with all this frequency, we can leave people behind. Um, the other thing is, uh, there's also the perception of, you know, for people out there, why do transit riders get to ride free? And I think, you know, that is a big question, and, and I don't have that answer for it, but what I can tell you is that, you know, if we're really going to into this society where we really want to help people and people get around and realize the cost of living here is very expensive, and and people who are struggling, you know, to get them to and from the grocery store and in their jobs and so forth, you know, this is something that at least we can give back and help. And um, then, like I said, the biggest thing is the financial impact because we end up losing, you know, any type of payment that we receive, you know, in lieu of giving free riders. And by the way, this hits not just our buses, but it also hits our paratransit too as well. So if we go free on on buses, we go free on paratransit. And then going to the next slide, um, you know, this is where I kind of want to talk talk through. So, for example, in the very top line, uh, our June 2023 budget over that 36 month period is about 13.7 million dollars positive. By adding in those general adjustments, where we're saying we're going to stay flat, but we also have these colas that are going to go in. That's really driving uh, most of this cost increase we dropped to about $3.8 million. From there, when you layer in all these different phases, the phase one, phase two, uh, free fares, and some help from UC Santa Cruz, our impact is 29.3 million. Our new budget would be 25.5. We would completely offset that whole $29.3 million with this TERFSIP funding. So effectively, so effectively we'll be back to the $3.8 million. So this is our one-time shot, and we can't use that money just in general. If we just have our base budget, we can't use it. It's about expanding service. It's about doing what phase one and phase two are trying to do. And how does that relate into our five-year plan? So in our five-year plan right now set up, you know, right now we're talking about, uh, you know, $5.9 million. And then, of course, it, it does increase. This does not include that funding that I just talked about for the 29.6. So coming across um, will actually be much better than what you see here. And then I think one of the bigger issues here, and I want to explain this, is, you know, what is, okay, there we go. So... What I did was, you know, this is a lot of money going out the door. What is it if we continue this beyond 36 months? How, do, what, how does that impact our cash deficit? You know, what's our physical cliff? And so on. 
So we took, you know, and uh, basically modeled out into the future to about 2034 what we think it would be if we continue it. And one of the key caveats here is we need a sales tax to continue it. There is no if, ands, buts, or ors. It, no sales tax. We don't continue this. We shut down the program. But right now, the real issue is that we've basically modeled out what we think the projection is going to be. You know, we don't know what inflation is going to be in 10 years, or for that matter, you know, even if we're in a recession, things kind of draw back. But we made our best estimates. And from there, before I go into the next one, I just want to remind everybody of these buckets. You know, at the very top, which is basically our workers' comp liability operations sustainability cash flow, as well as our UAL OPEB, those are re kind of restricted buckets. Those are our restricted buckets. These buckets are what they are, and they're not part of this discussion about what, you know, where we hit negative in cash. And the reason why is this money is specific for specific reasons. It doesn't mean we can't free it up to use it for things, but it takes board approval and a lot of heavy conversation to do it. But think of this as not part of when I show you the cash aspect is part of that. However, the bus replacement, capital operating reserve, as well as the COVID recovery fund are part of the cash as part of we're drawing that down to keep and the operations going. So on the next slide, here's where if we do nothing, we keep the base budget. Very first slide I showed. As we go through, um, and there's no phasing, we don't do the phase one, we don't do the phase two, no free fares. We're talking about somewhere in the neighborhood of 2029 is where we're going to start running into negative cash. And if we start running into negative cash, we've got to do something now. You know, I mean, at least start thinking through what do we want to do. However, now that we've talked about phase one and phase two, which is basically here, uh, the biggest thing is half cents sales tax. That, that's big key. You know, the free fares, they continue to go. Our sales taxes grow based off of pre-COVID years. You know, we need the help from UC Santa Cruz. And then, of course, you know, all of this continues beyond the 36 months. You know, this is assumed sales tax. We continue this process. You know, we are at 100% of our personnel. We're going to continue the COLA at 4% throughout, even though I know before we usually take it away. But, I mean, in theory, that COLA may be 3%, maybe 5%. It's not about negotiations. This is about just a projection to figure out where we are so we understand. And then inflation, too, as well. And what that does, if we go to a sales tax on the November 24 ballot, I know we'll receive money in 2025, but we're taking kind of a conservative approach and saying January of 2026, we're going to start receiving it. So a year later, you know, everything kind of gets put in place. And from there, as you can see, the curve is actually pretty high and pretty healthy. And that will keep us, you know, viable to probably 2040 if, if we do that. And this also, by the way, keeps all the phases in as well as the free fares. That's great news. You know, however, if we push to the sales tax ballot, um, you know, two years out from November 24 to November of 26, and then, of course, start collecting a year later in 2028, year 2028, as you can see, that curve comes way down. And like I said, there's some little bit of negativity sitting there in 28. That's okay. I'm, we have that covered. You know, we have a little bit of flexibility in some of these numbers here. But ultimately, that gets us all the way out to 2034, a decade later. So actually more than a decade, 11, 11 years later before we have to do anything. 
And so as part of that, um, basically it's really kind of moving forward with, you know, the phasing, the free fares. And then of course, you know, this is where we could demonstrate like a world-class system, meet the goals that I talked about of, uh, at the very beginning, the three different goals. And then at the same point too, the biggest thing is, is the sales tax. As long as we get that sales tax, you know, that will really make us viable to keep moving forward. If we don't get the sales tax, then we would have to cut back to our base and then really look holistically on what we can do going forward beyond 2029, because as you saw the first chart, that's where we kind of fall and that's where we got to figure out what we need to do from there. Thank you, Mr. Farmer. Right. See if board members have 